welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. You still don't get it, do you, boys? There ain't no countries anymore. No more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything, the whole goddamn planet. They can do whatever they want. It's not the appearance of life. It is life. This is not magic. As you say, I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Retro Blood Sci-Fi Month. If you like demon dogs, if you like slimy creatures who turn theirself into bigger slimy creatures, and if you like Kurt Russell's frozen beard, this is the review for you because, yes, we are starting off the Sci-Fi Month hot because we're talking all about the 1982 The Thing. Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? We are finally doing it. We are finally reviewing The Thing. The Thing, after almost a year, man. Um, we're, doing, I'm, we're doing pretty good. You know, we've had a little bit of uh, ups and downs in the show in the last month. Um, we've, we've camouflaged it pretty well, but we haven't recorded an actual show in about three weeks uh, due to various things, travel and sickness and that kind of thing. But we are back at it. And we are going to uh, to have a great show, doing one of the greatest movies ever made, The Thing. Um, sitting here trying to recover, drinking my tea. You got your tea going, James? Yes. Yeah, we've both yeah. been a little bit under the weather lately. <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like the crew over here at this uh, at this station. Yeah. We don't know if we're sick for having the thing in us, or we don't know if yeah. we're actually human or not. Yeah, I can definitely relate to. Uh, like all the like when they their when their heads explode and all the stuff pops out. That's exactly how I've been feeling lately. Yes, and just <laughs> like my main man Gary, you better get me the fuck out of this chair <laughs> for this review. <laughs> so we're gonna be talking all about the thing, everybody, and of course we're gonna be talking about the our history segment of what was happening around pro wrestling and metal music around the release date of the thing and. We're probably gonna be talking a little bit about the uh, product, a little bit, a little bit of production notes on the thing as well. Plus, talking about the uh, the love and hate relationship that this movie has gained um, throughout the years yes. too, which is uh, very interesting. Um, but before we get into some of that, just a little house cleaning over here. I want to do for everybody. You know, since we uh, started this podcast, you know, the biggest thing we had for you know, besides being on all the platforms like Apple, Spotify, and everything, is we had the all face, of all of them. All of them, brother. Whatever your heart desires. But uh, besides having and all that, we also have like a Facebook group page where I like to post a lot of extras and stuff from this from this podcast too. But since then, we have created two new things. So we actually have a Facebook business page, which we'll find every episode at on there. Plus, you'll find links um, to all the episodes and all the stuff that we do from the Retro Blood. So everybody join that official Facebook page. Plus, um, the Retro Blood is now on the YouTube, brother. 
because we Uh-oh. have started. Yes, we have started the retro blood bites, where you can have snippets from each show, so you can have little samples out there, like kind of little sample tracks out there. Um, so everybody check that out. You know, if somebody if somebody's not you know haven't heard a full show yet, they can hear a little snippet. Uh, from what me and Jay Austin have to say, if they like what they hear, then they can listen to the full shows completely free on every podcast. And there'll be links from the YouTube channel to everybody. So I'll post all that free. stuff everywhere. It's all free, 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 free. Yep. They don't get cheaper than free. <laughs> yes. They don't get cheap. They don't get cheaper than free brother. All right. So everybody check it out. We got a lot of nice stuff on those, uh, retro blood bites. You know, we'll do, uh, sometimes I'll post like the history segment on there. I'll post maybe some of the production notes we do on there for different films or maybe even some of the reviews itself. Um, just like, like one of them I got on there right now is the fate of the Cenobites. So just, just a couple of examples of what we're going to have. So we're expanding over here, making everything accessible for everybody. We want to have all of you guys join us here on the retro blood. We want you to be, uh, we want you to be like our boys at the station, um, uh, for over here from the thing, you know, we want you all to come together. We want you all to prove yourself that you're human by listening to the retro blood. <laughs> yeah. Prove that you're human. Yes. But let's get into this. Cause we have a jam packed episode because we have a lot, lot to talk about, especially when it comes to the review of this movie. But this movie actually came out June 25th, 1982. So we haven't done a whole lot of reviews from the 1982 era. So this is pretty fun. Um, so what I have, we're going to start out with the metal music at first. So Sweet. I didn't, I actually didn't find a whole lot <laughs> around this particular month. I guess there's just like a lot, a, lot, a lot of shit going on around June of 1982. So the only band I could find when it comes to my research that I did is apparently the band Manowar, the, the, the power thrash yes. man's itself, Manowar. They released their first ever album, uh, Battle Hymns. So, yeah, okay. So that came out June 7th, 1982. So a couple of days before the thing was le- were released. So we'd be listening to them. And actually, I was listening to some of this before we came on air. And, you know, Man of War is not that bad. You know, the guy, you know. Yeah, Man of War is badass. Yes. I mean, I think they're pretty They're actually not too bad. You know, this is their first album. So, you know, we got... We got the. We started off with Death Tone. You know, we got a couple of cowbell in that. We got a couple of thrash. We got a couple of the uh, the power singing and stuff. So you know, Metal Days is a great song too. Shell Shock is kind of like their ballot, their their war ballot. So yeah. definitely a fun album. Do you have any uh, stories or any stuff about Man of War there, Allison? I mean, I've always loved Man of War. They're one of the few bands that have been around that long that I've never seen live. Um. So I don't really have any good Man of War stories because I've never seen them, but I've always wanted to see Man of War. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day we will uh, take the Trans Am and uh, go to a Man of War concert. But, uh, yeah, um, Man of War is awesome. I love their, uh, like, their uh, almost, I don't know what you call it. Like, it's not kind of fantasy-based, but it's almost like a medieval, like, theme that they got going through everything where they're just like these, like, warriors it's almost like guar if they took themselves seriously yeah you know i mean it's almost like guar if if um if they took if they weren't funny um so it's <laughs> now I think about it but yeah they you know with the uh all the big viking not really viking but like big horned helmet imagery that they use and yeah man of war is badass yeah and of course People they're all ripped them. 
You know, oh, and, of course, they're all ripped. They're yeah, all like ripped. wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. They're all like ripped. Uh, pad- they basically, they kind of look like a, a ripped version of Demolition. Yeah. <laughs> I like the one with Demoli- the, they- the ripped guy in the back with the American flag on him. Warriors <laughs> of the world. Uh, they should have done uh, Demolition's uh, entrance music. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. I like the uh I like the 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 stash like the the manhandle stash with the with the hair that's good stuff. Oh so, yeah, I mean that was 1982 for you right there. Yeah. So this is when they first came out, so you got a little bit LP and like I said, you know, obviously they, you know, throughout the years they gained some little bit more power, a little more you know, get uh, finding their their tone when it comes to that. But this is a pretty solid album. Uh we would have definitely popped the tape in there. Uh we got tracks has a death tone. Metal Days, Fast Taker, Shell Shock, Man of War, Dark Avenger, William's Tale, and of course, Battle Hymns. So, battle. Yep. so we got them all here, brother. So we'll be playing some of this at the end of the review, some Man of War stuff, but maybe I'll play some on the, maybe I'll do a Man of War live concert on the Facebook page too, <laughs> just to show everybody what they look like. So this is definitely, it's kind of a fun band, I would say. You know what I mean? You play oh, yeah, this is sure. de- and this is also too this is pretty good like like eighties rock uh, party music, you know what I mean? Because it's not too heavy, it's not too it's not too soft. It's like right there in the middle, you know. It's really good tunes and everything. You can tell that like, their concerts are pretty fun by their album. It's pretty it's pretty fun. So I can, I would I would just like, kind of like you know say that's like this is like a very fun band. You know, it's very fun music to listen to, cool music to listen to. It gets you going nice when you're driving down. Uh, if you're trying to make it to Antarctica and the Trans Am, this is what we have going on. Exactly. I really like their guitar player, Ross the Boss. I really like that guy a lot. He's a, he's a, he's a great guitar player. He's the man. So, um, so I got a little bit for the wrestling side. What do you have for us for the wrestling side there, Allison? Um, I have only that around this time... Um, that on the 23rd so there were two like there was like a little stream of stream of shows around um miami st petersburg florida like nwa shows and on the 23rd um dusty Rhodes defeated rick flair in a non-title bunkhouse match and that's how you knew going into it that dusty was going to win because it was non-title yeah exactly yeah, but think about that for a second. Like, why would you go into a bunkhouse match, like one of the roughest matches of all time, um, n- not for the title? Well, maybe he had, like, maybe he, uh, maybe the only reason that Dusty can get Ric Flair into the bunkhouse match was be- if Ric Flair didn't put up the belt. Um, maybe that's a pretty good kayfabe reason. Yes. Um, and then on, then on, the, on the 24th and 25th, they were off, I guess. And on the 26th and... and uh, well, yeah, they were watching The Thing. Oh, they were watching The Thing, right? They took two days off to go watch The Thing. And yes. then the day after The Thing, on the 26th in St. Petersburg, they uh, had a normal match, and uh, Ric Flair won by disqualification. Yes. We got to get his win so back that's by disqualification. It. It, right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's pretty fun. You know, anytime you can see a Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair match, you know, you're going to be in a good time. And this is when their rivalry is, like, getting going. You know what I mean? This is yeah. like, it's getting hot. It's getting going. Um, the yeah, Dusty's still game. good. He's, he's He wasn't getting old, like, kind of getting older yet, like he would be by 86 or so. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, definitely fun, definitely fun little matches going on over here. Um, but yeah, we, I'll see if I can find like a bunkhouse match. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the bunkhouse match there, Allison? That's what I was afraid you were going to ask me about. Yeah. Um, it's it's been a little bit since <laughs> I've uh, researched the since I've actually seen a bunkhouse match. Yeah. Um, but it's basically, um, how would you describe a bunkhouse match? Um, kind of like no. Rules. It's like a battle royal, but they're wearing regular clothes. It's like a street fight battle royal, I guess you'd say, right? Yes. That's how you describe it. Um, there's also weapons. Weapons are allowed. Um, so it's it, it, so it would be like a non-disqualific. Well, I guess battle royals have no disqualification. It's really it's really hard to describe. It's like a it's like a hardcore battle royal, I guess you could say, is what we call it today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what the uh, bunkhouse. That's what the bunkhouse stampede is. Yes. Yeah, it's basically like a like a battle royal where you can wear blue jeans and cowboy boots right up Dusty yeah. Rhodes' alley. And. This match was described as a bunkhouse match, so I'm guessing this wasn't. I'm guessing this was just a street fight. Yeah. Um, because that that implies that they were the only two people in it. So I'm guessing that the uh, this was just a bunkhouse match, which was just would be just like a street fight between the two. Yes, exactly. It's basically how they would do those street fights now, where the a lot of the competitors would come out in like their normal jeans and ripped up t-shirts and stuff, yeah. make it look it's probably almost like a. Uh, Right, it's probably almost like a, a lights out match, like we talk about. Ooh, lights out, brother! We got to yeah, bring in some of those back. By uh, the way, the lights out will be returning this October. We have, lot, we have a lot of a uh, lot of fun stuff for everybody for this yeah. October. By the way, yeah, uh, I guess I, James I, hasn't had enough of those uh, lights out ass whippings he gets. So we're gonna get we're gonna do two more at no. least. Yes or no? Because I got to bring the light tubes, brother. Yeah, <laughs> the light tubes with all that uh, powder in it. <laughs> yeah that's got to be good for their eyes right all the uh all those gcw guys with the light tube powder in their face yeah exactly i'm surprised they don't use that a little bit more <laughs> the light tube powder that's how we get them we gotta blind they should, them <laughs> they should do like an like a angle where somebody gets blinded from light tube powder yes <laughs> that would be great but uh, anyway we're getting off subject <laughs> well so that uh that's going on like i said not a whole lot going around or going on around uh, June of 1982. And to be honest with you, in June, when this movie came out, June 25th, 1982, there wasn't a whole lot of people going to this movie, too, which is crazy to think yeah, apparently about. Apparently not, yeah. day. So That is weird to think about. Yes. Because, you know, uh, uh, the you, so this movie budget was about, like, $15 million. And mm-hmm. just in North, Carolina, North America alone, only averaged about $19.6 million. So, right. which you know, sounds like it made a profit, but yeah. you have to think about that a movie really has to double its budget to make a profit. Yeah, exactly. And so even it really movies, lost money. Yeah, and even movies like you know that John Carpenter directed around this time did do a lot more. So, I just want to talk about that before we get into some of the production stuff. Like, all right, Allison, you know, so obviously you and me, well, you, you, you in particular, you know, when you watch this mm. movie, this is obviously one of your favorite. Uh, horror movies or movies of all time. Now, yes. when you watched it for the first time, did you have that feeling right away or did it take a little while watching it over and over again? No, I loved it immediately. Okay. So why do you think a lot of people around 1982 weren't really liking the thing? I really don't know. Um, I tried, I, I've actually thought about this a little bit over the years 
because I've tried to figure that out. I've tried to figure out why people wouldn't like this. Um, you know, I really, I, I, I don't, the only thing I can think of is that maybe horror movies, no, that's not true. I was going to say that maybe horror movies weren't big at the time, but they certainly were. Yeah, they definitely were. Um, I mean, our whole show is based around how yeah. big horror movies and were. And John the Carpenter 80s. was um, a pretty big uh, director at this time, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, he had done, but isn't this, like, a recurring theme from, like, some of the show, the, some of the movies, the Carpenter movies we've done? Like, yeah. wasn't Prince of Darkness also not um, not a success when it first came out? Yeah. Um, Halloween was. I mean, Halloween was a huge success. Yes. Um, what about The Fog? Because was he that was, a big one? I don't know. I, I, I think The Fog did okay, because surely he would have done something good right i mean like he would have like something successful other than halloween to be able to keep his career going because didn't he i'm trying to think and i'm pulling this off the top of my head i can't remember what it is but didn't he lose a big big movie because the thing failed so bad um had to direct something well i know i know there was one movie that he wanted to to direct and he about he almost left the thing to do it which was that El Diablo movie. I don't think that's what I was thinking of. So it, it came out the same day as Blade Runner. So I don't know how big a hit Blade Runner was. Oh, it did. Blade Runner debuted at number two that weekend um, and went on to earn $33 million. Um, others blamed an oversaturation of science fiction and fantasy films that year, including Conan the Barbarian, Poltergeist, Star Trek II, Mad Max Two, and Tron, which were all huge hits. Yeah. Um, maybe it just kind of fell under the radar when the movie came out maybe i mean it's also pretty um oh yeah he was going to get the job directing firestarter yes firestarter yeah um yeah so he was going to be offered the job of he was offered the job of fire of directing firestarter and they took it back because of the thing's poor performance um i mean once you see the thing well okay so if you watch the trailer for the thing if you watch the trailer for the thing there, a lot of those creature effects are in it. Um, I think, honestly, this movie was just too scary for people. I can see that. Because, I mean, this movie is really scary for people today. Like, just every time I recommend somebody watch this movie that isn't a horror movie fan, that just wants to watch a good horror movie, I always recommend The Thing because it's a good quality movie with good actors in it. And they always come back to me and say, that movie scared the shit out of me. Um, because it is, it is scary. I mean, it is truly a scary movie. Like it, there's just, and it's a, it's a gory, it, I guess you'd call it gory. It's just, it's just kind of unnerving. Yes. Like, um, like all the, the sounds that the, like when the creature, like when it sprouts legs out of its head and then all this, like the, the cracking, uh, like all that stuff just gets to you, gets under your skin. That's the only thing I can think of. It's just too it was just too much for people. Maybe that's, that's, that's what I, that's, that's my idea anyway. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, this is also one of those movies too, that doesn't have like a true ending. It's one of those think about endings. And there are certain people who don't yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. But you wouldn't know about that until you got there. Yeah, that's true. Maybe just the production of it, of it, of it being like milk, maybe, you know, maybe it's one of those things where like you were saying, there was just too many sci-fi movies going on around the time. And maybe somebody looking at this mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, this looks like an alien ripoff or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, true. Good point. 
So I mean, but, so my 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 recollection. So I watched this movie on my old podcast a couple years ago, and at first, you know, I was never a big fan of like, uh, like uh, I don't know how would say I was uh, when I watched horror movies. I usually like the more traditional style horror movies. You know what I mean? Like the uh, mm-hmm. you know like they got one maniac killer out there stalking everybody and there's teens and there's people partying and shit like that you know like the traditional stuff kind of like the slasher month we did you know sure but you know my friend the blood beer shot out he was like you know you gotta watch this movie if you've never seen it before it's it's something you gotta watch because it's different it's like a it's like a different type of movie and when I watched it you know like it's very slow pace. You know, it it gets to the, you know, it, it slowly gets to the point and then you slowly see the people turning against each other and everything. So when I was watching it, when I was digging into it, I was just like, wow, this is a very, like, interesting movie because of of how, like, realistic it is almost in a way. Even though, you mm-hmm. know, obviously we yeah. have these creatures, these slimy 80s creatures that always, that actually looked awesome in the movie too. Hell yeah, they did. But the actual um, plot itself too is just very it's just very, like you were saying, very unnerving and stuff. And it's just very yeah. like interesting of how like deeper and deeper and deeper into unnerving it gets. So maybe, maybe that's something that too, like maybe like, you know, if you're watching a movie and it's kind of disturbed you a little bit, would you tell your friends about it? Would you not tell your friends about it? You know, cause a lot of movies and stuff, it's all about, you know, talking to, you know, uh, spreading the word as it goes. So maybe, yeah, maybe I mean, later on, maybe when the DVDs and stuff came out, there's more, you know, fanfare around it and stuff. That's pretty much how it blew up. Yeah, and maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I wouldn't because that happens a lot to me now. Like I just I feel like, and I think I may have mentioned this before, but like I feel like I have basically the opposite opinion of what everybody else has in, on any given subject for whatever reason. Um, like I like things that everybody else hates, and I hate things that everybody else seems to love. Um, so you know I, that happens a lot now. Like I'll go see a movie or I'll see a movie and I'll really like it. And they're like, maybe I should share this with people. And I'm like, well, you know, as bad as it sounds, I'll, I'll think, well, they're probably not going to get it anyway, or they won't like it or, you know, whatever. So maybe, maybe in this case I would maybe like, yeah, this is not for everybody. Um, but, and then the thing is definitely not for everybody. I mean, it's not, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, if you like, if, if your favorite horror movie is Annabelle, you're not going to like this. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but for by any stretch of the imagination, <clears throat> but did uh, d- does Bloodbeard like this movie, or yes. he just wanted you to watch it? Yeah, no, no, I mean, he liked he liked the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is like this is. I mean, even my brother loves this movie too. So this mm-hmm. is like a wild. Everybody, everybody I've ever talked to like loves this movie, and I could see why because, like I said before, you know, science fiction and horror. You know, the subject we're going to be talking about this whole month. I mean, they pretty much go mm-hmm. hand to hand. You know what I mean? So yeah, like science fiction true. to me is a different style of horror, but it's it's a it's it's a very interesting style of horror where it, it's more about the unknown. It's more about the uh, unnerve like unnervous of of, of, right, of which, the unknown. Yeah, which is like my favorite thing. Like I like I, my favorite thing about horror is the the things you don't know, and like like the fact that there's that there's things out there that you can't see but can maybe see you like that's terrifying to me. Like that's why ghost stories are terrifying to me is because the idea that there's a go- there might be a ghost in my house right now that can see me, but I can't see them. That's scary to me. That scares me more than like a maniac killer. Cause I can fight a maniac killer, but I can't fight this thing that I can't see. 
that could be anybody. And that's what's so scary about this movie, I think. Yes. <clears throat> or this thing could be you. And or it could be me, and I wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know it. So let's talk a little bit about the production. There's a whole lot of stuff when it comes to this movie, mm -hmm. so we'll just talk a little bit about it. So, And this is a couple interesting facts about it, too. So the development of this film began in the mid-1970s with when David Foster and fellow producer Lawrence Terman suggested to Universal Pictures an, adapt an adaptation of the 1938 John W. Campbell novel, Who Goes There? Yeah, it is a remake. I don't, I'm, I'm sure you knew that, but it yes. is a remake of a, of a 50s movie. Yes. And it's also the, uh, the 50s movies that you're referring to is The Thing from Another World. Right. By Howard Hawkins and Christina Nibby. Um, but uh, Foster and Termi, they wanted to develop a project that stuck more closely to the source material. So they had screenwriters Hale Bearwood and Matthew Robbins held the rights to make an adaptation but passed on the opportunity to make a new film. So Universal, Universal obtained the rights for the, from them. In 1976, um, Will Barry Stark had purchased the remake rights to 23 RKO uh, Pictures films, and it was including the thing from another world. Um, so from there, <clears throat> three Wall Street financiers did not know what to do with them. In exchange for a return when the films were produced, Universal in turn acquired the rights to remake the film from start, resulting in him being given executive producer credits on all print, advertising, poster, television commercials, and studio press materials. So mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll see, like, you know, if a studio has the rights to a film, you know, if the studio gets bought up, or sometimes they'll sell off the source material to other studios and stuff, or, or people who, who will buy up the rights and stuff. Uh, that's probably yeah. why we haven't seen for a while a lot of the Friday the 13th films. Yeah, well, they have the Friday Thirteenth movies have so many issues with the the rights, which is why that that uh, box set they put out a couple of years ago was pretty much a miracle that they could get them all together in one box set. Yeah, and if you didn't buy that, you probably will never have a chance to buy anything like that again. Exactly. <clears throat> so I thought this part was a little interesting. So John Carpenter was first approached about the project in 1976 by co-producer and friend Stuart Cohen. Carpenter, so that's before Halloween. Yes, that's before Halloween, yes. But Carpenter was mainly an independent film director at the time, so Universal chose, of all people, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974 director, Toby Hooper. Imagine mm -hmm. that. Well, that would have been... I mean, I think that would have been just as good. I love Toby Hooper. I think we're going to do a Toby Hooper movie this month, actually, oh, yeah. um, if, I, if I was looking at the schedule. Um, but, um, but anyway, Toby Hooper is a great director, um, I they're similar on cer certain things. The what? I said uh, Toby and John Carver. They're similar on certain things. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, they're definitely you know, Toby Hooper is definitely a horror movie director, and so is John Carpenter. And I think that they both, you know, they don't they didn't just make a horror movie because that's what they could make at the time. I think they actually genuinely loved horror movies. Um, Toby Hooper's a great director. This movie would have been just as good, probably, um, if Toby Hooper had directed it. But it may not have had the the amazing John Carpenter cast that it has, because you know he uses all the same people a lot, um, as we'll see also this month. But um, the uh, the uh, you know it, it, the cast for this movie is perfect, so I wouldn't have wanted to see Toby Hooper recast it, but. Long story short, I think the movie would have been also is also good if Toby Hooper directed it. 
Well, apparently, though, the producers were uh, ultimately unhappy with Hooper and his writing partner, Kim Henkel's concept. So you mm, might have been yeah. okay with it, but this producers, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, this project also had a lot of failed uh, pitches, you know, by different writers, different screenwriters and stuff. Um, so basically what happened was the success of Ridley Scott's Alien, 1979 mm. Alien, you know, helped realize this project. And around this time when the project was getting going now, because we have successful horror movie, sci-fi movie, which is probably the most successful horror food, horror movie, sci-fi of all time, which was Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know. <clears throat> and then, you know, like I said, we're the retro blood. So, you know, 19, it, it's very close. We probably will should do that, epi- that review sometime, Alien. But, you know. We should, yeah. We'll, we will do that maybe on a lights out one. But, you know, yeah. but during this time, this is when Carpenter has now become loosely attached from his successful slasher film, Halloween. So, you know, Carpenter, he was reluctant to join the project for he thought Hawkins' adaptation would be difficult to surpass. Mm-hmm. Um, although he considered the film's monsters to be um, untamable. So, like, he, he found them kind of interesting. Okay, so, Cohen suggests that he read, he read the original novel and Carper found that the creepiness of the content by the creator and a question it raises is interesting. So he liked uh, the original concept and how it raises the questions and how interesting it was. Um, and then I guess when he was you know, doing everything, he, he drew parallels between the novel uh, and then there was there were none. And there the yeah, story, the, the Christie movie uh, novel. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> and the story of the who goes there. So... So he also like uh, you know in Halloween he also paid you know homage to the to that film the thing from another world as well too, um, so so obviously he was a big fan of the actual uh, concept of the thing, um, it just took him a little bit to get on board with the project, um, so when he when Carpenter was finally getting everything going I found this interesting too, um, after securing the writer and the crew of the film the film was stalled again when Carpenter nearly quit. Believing that a passion project, passion project of his, El Diablo, El Diablo, was on the verge of being made by EMI Films, the producers discussed various replacements, including Walter Hill, Sam Pitchnett, and Michael Ritchie. But the development of El Diablo was not an intimate as Carpenter believes, so he remained on the thing. So we could have had him get away from the thing. To make this random movie, El Diablo. El Diablo, which apparently was made in 1990. Yeah, it was made in 1990. But so he he, he didn't he, direct he, it though. He I guess he thought it was gonna be made in 1980. <laughs> so later on, became oh no, it's gonna be 10 years after that. It's like okay, fuck it, which is interesting. So you know, obviously, the you know he Carpenter picked out a lot of the cast, which being one of the uh, the biggest would being Kurt Russell. Oh who, yeah, who played R. G. McCree. And it was mm-hmm. it, the only thing about him is is like so they picked out Lacasse. Apparently, uh, um, the he, apparently um, Kurt Russell was the last per- one of the last per- persons to be picked for the job. So when they were doing the, uh, the 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 casting, but he was he was involved with the project a lot before being cast on onto it. So hmm. uh, the uh, the only thing I thought was pretty interesting too is. Um, some of the uh, some of the actors that they 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 were trying to like maybe get or couldn't get for the McCree character, uh, one of them was uh, Tom Enkins. 
So, hmm. what do you what do you think about Tom Hankins probably being a McCree character? I think he could have. Uh, I think he could have pulled it off. But I, I don't know. Kurt Russell is, it seems like a little better character for the actual role. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine this role without Kurt Russell. To be honest with you, yes. I mean, Kurt Russell is such a volatile, you know, and a volatile. Uh, uh, what's we're looking for? Variable? Like he can, he can, he can play a bunch of different kind of parts. Like earlier in the same year, he had played uh, Elvis, I believe, in, in the John Carpenter movie. So he plays Elvis, and then he immediately plays McCready right after that. Interesting. They also thought about maybe, maybe getting Christopher Walken too. That'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> So. It would have been the same, <laughs> but that wouldn't have been bad, probably. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to imagine Christopher walking, delivering the McCready lines. But, you know. <laughs> Everybody, stay down here. I'm about to light you up. <laughs> All right, none of yeah, you are. Hu- none great. of you guys are human. I am the only human around here. That's my Christopher Walken. <laughs> that was that was fantastic. <laughs> All right, All right everybody, let's get, in, let's get in. Let's. <laughs> 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 Let's get into the brother. Let's get into the thing. Itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gotta listen to Gary! He can beat one of those things! All right. All right, so we're here. We started off with that creepy, cool music. Maybe I should play it right here. Dun, dun. Oh, man. The Ennio Morricone dun, dun. soundtrack. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 Hey, guys. Okay. So we see some uh, stars, and then that's when we get the credit. We see, like, a, a UFO. So I'm like, okay, we got a UFO. Sci-fi month. Let's go. Let's go. We're ready. So Perfect. we are now in Antarctica, winter of 1982. Obviously, there's some cool music going on. We see some snowy mountains everywhere, and we see this helicopter which has the initials L O K K, and it says N O R G E for Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have a dog running. I think it's a husky, right? Looks like it. Okay. The dog's running around doing his thing. And we have long shots of this helicopter basically trying to shoot this dog. All right. So when you're, 
You know, it's always interesting when you watch a movie for the first time ever, like what you're thinking. It's like, okay, this is weird. We've seen this random helicopter shoot this, trying to shoot this dog. So obviously we know as an audience, there's something going on here. Either this guy hates dogs or there's something <laughs> weird about this fucking dog. All right. So right. now we see a sign that says U.S. Uh, National Science Institution Station 4. All right. Uh, we see some guys. So basically, it's a it's a U.S. science station planted here in Antarctica, and we have a big crew over here, and they're kind of just hanging out right now. We have some guys playing ping pong. Allison, were you a big ping pong player in your day? Uh, I was I was definitely not a big ping pong player, but ping pong is kind of fun though. I, I don't mind playing it. So you're telling um, me you ain't no Forrest Gump? I'm definitely no Forrest Gump in any imagine stretch of the imagination, but uh, you're probably the ping pong the, could be could be kind of fun. So this scene reminded me of you, Allison, the Kurt Russell. He's sitting there playing chess. <laughs> he's talking to this. I'll take that as a as a. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> and he's playing his chess and he's getting all pissed off while drinking his fucking drink. So he's like, <laughs> "Fuck this computer!" And he just pours his drink in that shit. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no wonder Allison likes this movie. He can relate. Fuck this can relate. Yeah, just imagine how expensive that shit was. The pouring, pouring, you know, pouring your whiskey into a computer in 1982 is probably crazy fucking expensive, right? Yeah, and he called it the thing a bitch. And apparently, the uh, the 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 voice of that computer was John Carpenter's uh, girlfriend at the time. So I thought that was Hmm. funny. So we still see the uh, Norwegian guy trying to shoot the dog. All right. And finally, the dog and the helicopter arrive around Station 4. So, uh, we, they, they, they notice that the, uh, the helicopter is, uh, the crew at Station 4 notices that the, um, the helicopter is, uh, is flying around there. And they all kind of like are going outside. And they're like wondering, like, it's like, fuck, this is like a Norwegian? Like, are we under attack by the Norwegians? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's where they find out that it's the Norwegians and they're. Uh, do they realize they're trying to shoot the dog, or they don't know what's happening at that point? I well, can't remember. right now they, they, I think they have a feeling they're trying to shoot the dog, but they're just wondering like why this thing is shooting everywhere. Right. And uh, the first, the first that kind of notices is, is that the Nas guy, the cook. So this is when the the the, the uh, it's like flying around the helicopter and everything. And the crew, they're all going outside, and then the dog jumps on a crew member, and he jump, jumps on George, the crew member. And then this is when the guy gets out of the, uh, the helicopter, Norwegian guy, and he starts screaming. So he's so freaked out that he actually blows up his own helicopter. Yes, he does. And he's, like, starting to shoot everywhere, and they're like, oh, crap, this guy's, like, shooting at us now. And this is when we get, um, we get Gary, the station commander guy. He just gets his gun out and breaks a window. And then, you know, all the, some of the crews are going back and forth, um, trying to stay away from this Norwegian guy. And eventually Gary shoots the Norwegian guy gone. Yeah, because he's only speaking in Norwegian and they can't understand him. Exactly. If they had always spoken in English, this entire movie would never have happened if you think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If, he if could only- explain the entire situation of what's going on. They could have hunted down the dog and it would everybody would have been happy. Yep. It's all about the communication, as we'll find it's out. It's all about communication, just like everything else in life. So this is also too, you know, when the 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 the, uh, the helicopter blows up, some of the crew like in court, and, and so, so we have some of the crew out here, and then we have um, McGree. They're like jumping around like the fire, 
like the, the 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 fire of the helicopter. So we have a yeah. you know they're petting the dog everything, and then of course uh, McGree is like, "This is the first goddamn week of winter." So, so McGree, yeah, happy about the weather. Yeah. So I'll break down some of the characters right now because there's a lot of them in here. They keep going back and forth. So I might as well just do it right now. Mm. So McGree, or McReady. I think it's McGree. <laughs> I think it's McGreedy. Yeah. McGreedy. McCready. Well, they mostly call him Mick. They, they call. I thought at first I thought they were calling him Mac, but it was actually Mick, or Mac, whatever. So McCready, yeah. McCready. Okay. Anyway, he's the he's Kurt Russell's character. He's the helicopter pilot. All right. Yes. We have Blair. He's going to be the senior biologist. We have Nollis. He's the cook. We have Palmer, the the assistant medic, which is kind of a hippie. We have Charles who is pissed off half the time, mm. the chef mechanic. We have Dr. Cooper, the, ph- the physician. Norris, the geologist. George Bennings, the meteorologist. We have Clark, the dog handler. We have Gary, the station commander. And Fouches, the assistant biologist. And of course, we have Windows, the radio man. So that's our whole crew. Windows. <laughs> Windows. <Yeah. laughs> what a name. Um. And so they're all one thing to keep in mind through this whole movie, too. And um, I think that it was illustrated in when when Kurt Russell spilled, uh, poured his drink on the computer. So they're all part of this research group except for Kurt Russell. Yes. Which is why he lives by himself. Kurt Russell's entire job is to fly them in the helicopter. That's all he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's contracted no to shit. fly them back and forth between you know, the base and wherever they went to civilization. So that's why he's living by himself through the whole movie instead of in the group, in the, in the, uh, camp with the rest of them. Yes. His job is to fly them on a helicopter, drink whiskey and be pissed off. Yes. It, exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be there because it's Antarctica in January. Or yes, whatever. exactly. It's going to get cold out there. So now, um, George, he's asking windows and stuff, you know, like, Hey, you know, can you? We got to report what's going on over here. The fucking Norwegian people are shooting at us and his dog. When it's like, I can't get a hold of anybody. I couldn't get a hold of anybody for weeks now. There ain't nobody answering. So we're establishing that nobody can hear what they say. Right. So they can't reach nobody. It's been two weeks. All right. And he kept, basically tells them to keep trying. So we have Palmer over there. He's just like sitting there making fun of everybody. Um, they talk about uh, the the they talk about the Norwegian party, you know, like hey, those guys were like a couple stations from us and stuff, and they had like a crew of ten that we know of. Um, right. So you know, we're, they're, they're basically the crew trying to figure out like why what's why is this guy come over here? Why is he shooting his dog? Why did he kind of blow himself up? You know, what's going on with the rest of his crew? You know, are they yeah, all the all crazy? Fucked up in the Norwegian camp. Yeah, exactly. So so. They all, you know, the doctor, all right, basically he wants to be like, listen, we got to go to this camp. We got to explore what happened. All right. And then, of course, uh, McReady, uh, he is like, he's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, the snows are starting to get, winter is coming to the thing. Okay. So, winter is about to be, it's about to be a lot of snow. It's about to be very hard to drive a helicopter around. So, McReady, he's, yeah. he is not wanting to do this. But if we had to do it, we had to do it now. Right. right, and when we say that, there's already snow. Yeah, like there's already plenty of snow. 
but there's going to be even more snow and they can't get out if if they if you know they won't be basically they can't get out of the base for like three months or six months or whatever it is yes and then of course palmer wants to go they tell him no so we just have the dock we have mcready and they're all about to head on out Mm-hmm. yeah so then they fly to the base yeah so and then all this time we have the dog is kind of like under the table and everything so the dog is with them at the establishment mm-hmm. so this is when they all you know uh, get ready and so this is when they're about to be leaving the next morning to go explore this base and then this is when George is now yelling at Niles about his music yeah, he's playing Stevie Wonder. Yeah, superstition. And then this is when we get, you know, we get some, some uh, uh, shots of the whole place, the whole establishment, this whole base that they're staying at. And now we see that the door, the dog, is wandering around, and he eventually goes into somebody's room. So, and we find out who that person is here in a little bit. Mm. So, um, so Mac and then his, and then Mac and then and, uh, the doc. And then some of the other crew, they are about to be leaving now to go to this camp. Um, so they leave to go to the camp, and then they find out that there's, like, when they get close to the camp, there's a big, like, smoke coming out from this camp. So they they arrive around the camp, and they start looking around everywhere. Um, they see a bloody axe at the door, so they could definitely see that the, this place has been, like, burnt. A lot of the, the, the establishment is burnt around there. And then mm-hmm. they also see a dead body as well. And it looks like the dead body... Um, committed suicide on itself because it had like a little razor mm-hmm. blade near there and it was frozen yeah. by the way one, too i was about to say one thing i love about this scene is like the frozen blood yes like when like the body's frozen solid and the blood that's coming out of his arms was froze solid and it's just like hanging down like it's that's that's fucking cool so this part was uh, a <laughs> there's not a lot of comedy in this movie so it's hard for no. me to do some of my com- comedic jokes but this part i don't know mm-hmm. why i thought it was kind of funny so the dog was, or McGree's like, what happened here? And they're like exploring. And then McGree's like, hey, I found a portable video unit. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. A portable, a portable video unit? What the fuck? What, what is that, a what? VCR? I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, what is it? Like a, a VCR attached to a, DVD, a TV or something? I guess so. Yeah, it's like something that most people didn't have in 1982, so they could explain why they're going to watch this video. Yes, a portable. Whereas video now they unit. just watch it on a laptop or whatever. But back then they had to have a yeah. portable video unit. Convenient that you found that, though, McCready. Yes, yes. Thank you, McCready, for finding this portable video <laughs> unit. And of course, this doctor is like, "Wait a minute, I got to find these papers that are all crumbled up on the floor." And then McCready's like, "Why do you need those shit?" It's like, "I need it for evidence, man. I need it for research." It's like, why do you need those stupid papers? I got a portable, pretty video, portable beauty, whatever the fuck this thing is. What right. they need to do is get the fuck out of there. Like, <laughs> like that—that's that, the whole thing that gets me about this whole scene. It's like they, like they see this, like obviously this horrible thing happened. Like, there's dead bodies everywhere, and they're just like, well, let's just hang around here for a little bit. Yeah, I gotta gather evidence. All right. Yes, it's all about the evidence. And then, of course, they go see the uh, uh, McGree and all stuff. They find an ice bed or an ice hole. Say ice hole two, ten, to- ten times. Ice hole. Uh, keep going, ice so, hole. Yeah. <laughs> so they think, like, uh, the doctor's like, oh, well, maybe there was some sort of, like, animal in there or something. And then, like, maybe it thought itself out and hurt the people around here. And then they're walking by. Then sure. they, see, they, see this, they see this thing is all burnt. 
And they're looking at it, it's like, oh, kind of looks like a body, but it's like not a real body. It's all burnt. What do you think that is? I don't know. Okay, well, let, let's take it with us. Let's take it back with us. Yeah, for research purposes. <laughs> right, because it's this all fucked up body yes. that, that de- definitely Mc- doesn't look human. Yeah. Let's take it back. Of course, McCree was like, well, fuck, man, I got this video. Like, why do we need this fucking, I got a video, man. You know how rare this is? <laughs> <laughs> no, you just said You can sell it at the pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now they're flying back and stuff. And now, uh, now we got the dog. So, you know, this is a great dog. I'm talking about oh, the yeah, because this dog was like creepy and like they did, uh, you know, dogs, you know, they don't, you know, the dog, they, they don't, they, that's a shoot, you know, with, with the dog acting. So they, this dog yeah, was it is, great. It, yeah. It does what it's going to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. I um, mean, like you can train a yeah. dog well, but man, this dog was great. Like this dog, dog probably deserved like one of the biggest, um, rewards <laughs> for the movie of how well oh, it was sure. trained. Yeah, he was a really good dog actor. Like he had, and he had a really expressive face. So he, yeah. you know, you could see like what you know, almost like what the dog was thinking. Yeah, it was. It yeah, was and you could the tell that actor. the dog was just like it was. You could tell it was like creepy. Like it did a great job mm. of its whole demeanor. So yeah, shout out to this dog. Shout out to the dog. So He's probably dead. So now, <laughs> so now <laughs> they all look at the first slimy body, and yeah. so this movie has. So something big about the 80s, especially with, with horror movies and this type of movies, is the slimy creatures. Yeah, because it's gross. And this movie, to me, so far, has the top 10 award for slimy best slimy creatures. Because, boy, these creatures were nice and slimy. All right. And I like it how, for some reason, this... <laughs> so, like, they, 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 they open the body that they, they got from the Norwegian camp, right? And yeah. they had it like wrapped in a sheet and they opened it up and it's slimy already and it's have all this like smoke everywhere and nobody's wearing a mask. Did you notice that? There's like smoke coming out of this demon. Everybody just smelling it in. I think fucking McCree was getting high off this demon. <laughs> so they're no, all yeah, looking. Yeah, let's just, let's just look at this thing. Yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So they're kind of looking out on everything and, you know, they're just, you know, uh, they want the doctor to do an autopsy on it. And it does have a f- three faces on it. So it's like a three-face slimy demon. And so the doc is looking at it. And, um, you know, he, he's noticing that, you know, it has everything normal. It has, like, heart, lungs, kidney, liver, all normal. It just has three demon heads on it. So mm-hmm. they're, they're noticing that this, this, this creature or whatever it has a lot of human body parts to it. So... And of course, you know, they go back to Windows and Windows is still uh, sleeping. And he's like sleeping yes. and stuff and he still can't get a hold of anybody. He still can't, he still can't use the radio. Yes. And, and the doctor is played by Wilford Brimley. Yes. Who is the, the, the diabetes guy um, that he would be known for later for his commercials about diabetes. But um, well, there you go. But yeah, he, he has a really funny scene later on, I think. That's crazy. But anyway, we'll get there. So now we're at nighttime. Uh, we see one of the crew members watching a, a TV show about a one, two, three door. And he's like, ah, I've seen this VHS tape before. I don't know. This fucking sucks. So he smokes a joint with childs. Yep. So the rest of the crew, they're all relaxing and everything. I kind of like these scenes a little bit, you know. Or it's kind of like, the, I like these relaxing scenes for crew members because it's like the, uh, it's like the calm before the storm. Yeah, you know. And it shows that they're regular people. Yes, exactly. So those are very, these are very important 
to me, they're very important scenes in movies, even though they're very small scenes, because it kind of shows like the uh, the 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 real the realistic side of what we're trying to portray here. So you know, they're playing pool and everything. Um, the dog scares George a little bit, and George's like, "Ah, get this fucking mutt to the kennels." So Clark, he is the the um, dog keeper. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much he makes a year. I don't know. That'd be a good job to have, though, if you wanted to live in Antarctica. Yeah. To be the dog keeper for the Well, team. you know, it's probably only for, like, you know, how long they're supposed to be out there for the research. Yeah, true. So, but he is that, well, I, what were they researching anyway? Has it, has it ever been explored? No, they never tell us what they're researching. And why is there dogs out um, there in the first place? Well, there are dogs out there because they're sled dogs. That's how they would be able to travel. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the only way they can travel is by sled or by those big things that they drive around. But the do- the sled the sled would be much quicker. So they probably and and cheaper than the helicopter. I would say it's expensive to fly the helicopter. So they probably fl- took the sled dogs around when they just needed to make a short trip or something. Yes, maybe they were maybe they were um, doing research on climate. Maybe yeah, maybe they were. Um, you know, maybe they're doing climate, uh, climate research. Yes. Or maybe they're looking for man, bear, pig, who knows? But, uh, (laughs) but so we're out there. So now we put the, the dog in the kennel and I thought this scene was pretty creepy. So we had this dog put in the kennel and stuff and it's like not acting like a normal dog. It's just kind of sitting there. It it barely went into the kennel at first, but then it went in there and all the dogs were kind of like looking at it and stuff. And all the dogs kind of looked the same. They're kind of like those husky type of dogs. Yeah. This dog just sits down, gets up, and then its fucking face opens. And I was like, oh shit. Yes. So like this I think I think this is the point of the movie where people are just like, whoa. No, because I remember when I was watching this first movie, you know, because I when I first watched this movie and this scene came up, I was like, Oh, this is different. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I mean, can you imagine sitting in a movie theater in nineteen eighty two and you're like you, you know, you got that that uh, Morricone music that's playing that just gives you this like sense of dread. Yeah. And then you know, and you, so you don't know what's going to happen, but you feel like anything could happen at any moment. And then all of a sudden, like this dog head just splits in two and opens up, and you're just like, "What the fuck?" And I think the creepiest part about this is that one of the dogs was trying to escape through that little hole. Oh, trying to rip the uh, yeah. wire out. He was yeah, scared and everything. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, that's pretty. Uh, that's a that's pretty. That's a good. Uh, that's a good scene to do because it's like, wow, it's like you feel really bad. You know, we know some danger's yeah. happening, and you know, it's hard to. You know, we could see danger or what it looks like on a human's face, but it, we rarely see danger what it looks like when it comes from an animal like a dog. So I thought that was very, right. very. I thought that was a very cool scene. And of course, then it spits like some purple juice on it. And then it just fucking starts to split open, like get. So these creatures have a lot of like tentacles, and they kind of look like spiders too. So that's what they're kind of like turned into. So now we have uh, um, uh, the uh, the the Clark. He he kind of hears some noises going on over here um, about you know what's going on his, his gate and everything, and he goes to open up the gate, and then one of the jogs jump on him. Yeah, one of the surviving ones. Yes, because the 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 the. Uh... The, the the new dog, uh, the alien dogs, um, absorbs all the other dogs. Or yeah, most of them. yeah. I think it, it was absorbing like two dogs. Yeah. So McGree, he is about to drink a beer. Yeah, buddy. This yeah, guy has McGree, fucking beer, hero. liquor. He's ready. He's like, fuck yeah. it. I just want to get drunk. <laughs> I do have to say, I do have to say, like, I, I'm glad you pointed out the uh, 
the McCready thing because yeah, McCready is like one of my heroes in, yes. in the world. I love McCready and I love his I love his beard. Yeah. Um. And and I've always wanted a beard like McCready and uh and and yeah, he's fantastic. Well, you know, he just wants to chill and get drunk. That's all he cared about. Yep. And he hears and a noise. A helicopter. Uh. So he hears a noise and stuff, and he tells um they they tell um Charles to grab the the um to grab the uh, the flamethrower. All right, because mm-hmm. he goes in there, and Clark's like, "I don't know what this thing is, but it's weird and it's pissed off." And then, of course, why Joe- do they have a flamethrower? Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe their research was what happens when a flamethrower and ice meet. Maybe I think that research has been done already, but maybe because you know, like a flamethrower typically is used to burn like foliage and things like that like if you're in a jungle like originally they took flamethrowers into world war ii so they could burn the jungle back with a you know like in guam or whatever where the japanese were hiding mm-hmm. but i don't know why these people in Antarctica have have flamethrowers but well just in case, they look cool though right just in case they find a slimy demon that's why <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe so they start shooting the they well they first they look at the the, the slimy dog and yep. it's like you can see it, it just looks like it's absorbing these other two dogs. One dog yep. was like all wrapped up. I don't know if this is a real dog or not, but it was all wrapped up in all kinds of shit. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so they all look at it and, and it grows bigger. Like the, 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 the demon dog creature grows bigger and eventually child comes in and he flames the fucking thing down. Yep. And then they stare at it for a little while. And it's always making these like really creepy like sounds like that all like sound yeah. that it makes all the time like every time it's transforming yeah yeah hmm. so the next morning they're examining the demon dog and <laughs> right because then they bring the dog the demon dog into the camp so now they oh. have the, the the one that they brought from the norwegian camp and this demon dog now that's all now they have both of them in their camp yes they have they have two demon slimy creatures there <laughs> um what could go wrong so the doctor is now saying that hey, so apparently this creature mimics its host. It wasn't mm-hmm. trying to eat these dogs; it was trying to absorb them to make the dogs look exactly like how how, how they do. So basically, right. this creature, what it does, it when its particles and its cells, it will take over its host to mirror the host exactly. So that's how that's what it does. Yeah, I feel like they figured out what was going on surprisingly early because we're only about 30 minutes into the movie at this point or yes. so. And they, they figure it out pretty early. Well, yeah, because we had to get to the main plot. Yeah. These, well, these guys, you know, they're, they're smart scientists. Remember that? Oh yeah. I forgot. So yeah. they're, they get right to it. They're smart. Yeah. They know what to do. Um, so now, okay. So now, now, um, so now they, they, they're like, you know, so we, we, we got to get, you know, before this thing could finish, you know, because it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like the dog. It's like a shapeshifter type of creature. So now there's mm-hmm. a dog talking to Clark saying like, hey, was there anything strange about the dog and stuff? He's like, no, the dog was just normal. And he was and he was also saying, OK, well, was the dog, you know, why was it acting? You know, why was it acting kind of strange or stuff like that? He's like, no, man, the dog was just all around the whole place. just wandering around. He's like, are you telling me that? The dog was only in the cage for a little bit. He's like, yes. He's mm-hmm. all like, he's like, how how long were you alone with the dog? He's like, well, maybe an hour, an hour and thirty. He's like, why are you looking at me like that? 
So the doc is now realizing that this creature, since it was wandering around for so long, it could it could have uh, absorbed somebody else. Right. Yes. Yeah. So this is a question that I have. So if you, this is one of those movies that if you really think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so is there one creature or do they make many creatures? No, they make many creatures. So basically what happens is, so what it was explained a little bit in this movie too. So this, this dog and that creature, yeah. it's actually many creatures into one. Because remember they were saying that the creature is, is a couple body parts are different, like the head, the legs, the back, yeah, and the arms right. are all three different style of creatures. But all those creatures or those organisms come together to mimic one creature to, I guess, survive itself. But they all kind of work together. Because yeah. it's kind of confusing because they, they talk about it. They keep saying it like it's one thing. Yes. Like it's the thing, right? But then, but then they know... They know that the dog was the creature, and then they burn it. Mm-hmm. So why do they think that the other guy? It's Windows, right? The other, the other guy is the is the creature now. Well, because they were replaced, right? So he would be. So the idea is this thing would um, copy him and then kill, or well, I guess it would absorb him completely. And now this the thing is is this guy. He looks like the guy, right? Yes. But now there's two. Now there would be two of them. Well, there'd be multiple creatures that, but they all come like there are multiple creatures that make up one person, but they call that one form the it. That's okay. Think of. All right. All right. And they think, and at first they think the doc kind of like questions that Clark might be uh, might be one of them. But he he's also the doctor is also probably thinking like uh, maybe the whole crew might because his dog was probably along with a lot of people. So the crew mm-hmm. is now watching that uh, portable video unit. Yeah, because we wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't have any of this information if he hadn't found that. Yeah. So they're watching this tape of the Norwegians. First, they're like, "What the hell are they doing? They're just sitting there doing nothing." And then they eventually, apparently, the Norwegians they found an area where there was a UFO. So that is the um, that's the short I, version. I, <laughs> right. I can't get over. I cannot get over that. Where he's like, because like. <laughs> He finds the portable video unit, but they don't watch anything on it. He just takes it back. He, it, it's literally like, hey, I just found this. What yes. a lucky day it is. Yes. And then they watch it later, and then they see that they found the uh, spaceship that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Um, well, actually, I don't know if they explain that at this point. But basically, what they're, they, they, they have found the spaceship, and they're all standing in a circle to find out how big it is, which you, which you actually see happen in the sequel if you watch it. But, um, yeah, because the sequel is supposed to be a prequel, right? Kind of. We'll talk about that maybe at the end of this show too. But, um, but yeah, they kind of they're kind of standing out on the edge to see how big it is. Yes. Um, and they see them doing that, so they realize that that it's from might be from another planet. Yes, and they're like, wait a minute, that's close to here. Let's go. So they let's all go, go to it. Yeah. So they all go. It worked out for the Norwegians. So let's go to. Yeah. Let's go there. So they find a spot, uh, they go down, and they basically see an abandoned ship, which is that abandoned UFO ship. Yes. And then Ma- Max, like, McGree is like, say, how long has this thing been here? Been in the ice. And then one of the guys is like, man, this thing has probably been here for a thousand years. Yeah, because that ice has been there forever, right? Yes. So we can see that um, this creature can last in ice for a very long time. Yeah. So essentially, when the movie starts, we see the the, the flying saucer come from space, and then it fl- flash forwards like a thousand years. 
Yes. Even though it doesn't tell us that. So that's essentially what happened. Um, this also looked really good too. Like when they're showing the ship and I know it's all a matte painting, but it's, it's a beautiful matte painting and they should do, they should use matte paintings more often. Yes. Very nice. So when they go back to the station, you know, they're all talking about the ship and everything of how Max says, you know, it's been there for a thousand years and the things finally crawled out. Charles like, mm. I can't believe this voodoo bullshit. <laughs> voodoo bullshit yeah. of aliens. Palmer is just like, he, he's kind of like saying all this UFO conspiracy stuff. Uh, now we have the, the, the kitchen guy now. He's like, hey. He throws a shirt. Hey, this shirt's all ripped up in my kitchen shit. Don't be putting all your kitchen, all your dirty clothes in my kitchen stuff. Uh oh. So we see that somebody's shirt's got all ripped up. Uh oh. So Charles, Charles is basically kind of like the hard ass thing. He's all like, I'm, I'm in a. She's all like, Charles, like, so I was like, this thing is like, it's come out here and think about it, and looks like a dog. So you just can't believe, believe what he's seeing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's just basically like you know, uh, they're they're, they're basically they're, they're, the crew is kind of like talking about like it's like different forms of outer space. Something's going on over here, right? So this is when Blair is now doing research on his computer. Mm-hmm. Talking about cell those papers. Yes, I know exactly. We're typing all the information in yes. <laughs> the cell and the dog <laughs> and his computer uh, assimilation. Uh, yes, that's. So basically, Blair does uh, some research. One or more uh, could be infected, and basically, if it gets out into the population, it can infect infect the population within minutes. All right. Yes, and it could take over the entire world in a few years. Yes, entire world population infected two thousand seven hundred hours from first contact. Mm. So Blair now grabs a gun. Uh oh. <laughs> Mac is drinking, brother. Well, wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I would have been before this whole thing started. If I had to live in Antarctica, that I, I would have to drink. Yeah, probably. exactly. You have to. And now the doctor is saying, like, hey, uh, McGree, we need you to get your stuff out of the lab. Out of the lab room. He's like, okay. So we have windows, and we have drawers. They're now dragging the dead bodies, the dead creature bodies, into the lab. So mm-hmm. McGree gets his stuff out. And now the... Um, and now Fauci's he wants to talk to 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 McGree. So they go McGree just like listen, I just want to get drunk and go to sleep. <laughs> he's like he's That's like we got to yes exactly. Fauci's like listen man, we got to talk outside. He's like it's forty below outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's like okay, let's go. And then um, so Windows this is when. Um, uh, uh, Falch and then McCree they leave and Windows like we, we should burn these things but, yeah but um, George is like well, we don't yeah we George, George is like no we can't burn these things somebody's gonna win no. the Nobel Prize off this thing yeah no we couldn't we couldn't pause I mean we just figured out that the whole that this thing could take over the entire earth in 2,000 hours but now we can't burn them well only Blair knew that he didn't share that information well with that's true else. he didn't share that except for that's the audience so this this is now Windows go is is gonna go get the keys and then we could start seeing some blood spill on the floor. Uh-oh. So Fauci says there's something wrong with Blair. He locked himself in his room and he's telling t- he's not talking to anybody. And I grabbed one of his journals, by the way. Check this shit out. <laughs> he said there there's like this cellular activity in these creatures. Um, then they're not dead yet. They're actually still alive. 
They're going to be coming and taking over people's bodies. All right. And then we hear Windows. Mm-hmm. He goes back there and he starts screaming because he sees George getting all slimed up in blood. It looks like his skin got ripped off, too. It was creepy. And then he, he hears all that. And then McGree and then uh, the doc and everybody, they all kind of like meet up. And then this way they meet up with uh, they meet up with the windows and they go into that room, but they don't see George at all. It's like he was there. I saw him and he was there and stuff. And then they all see, see him outside. So they all go outside. Um, and like this is pretty much everybody. Everybody except for Blair is pretty much all surrounding uh, George on there. And this is when George starts to act like a freaking demon. And then Mac yep. burns him up. Yep, because Mac ain't taking no shit. He's burning people. Yeah, he's burning people right away. You look like an alien, he's going to burn you. Yeah, exactly. And then now Mac is now tearing, telling Gary, he's like, we had to burn him, all right? Uh, he said he would be wind up like, like he's going to be, you know, wind up getting us infected too. So now they're all like, okay, you know, now that we know that these things are not dead yet, we have to go and burn the rest of them. We have to burn the rest of these bodies. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what McGree was telling everybody. So no keeping these for yeah, no prizes. No, because he's the only one that has any sense in this whole movie. Yes. So now they're they're gathering all these bodies and they're about to be burning them outside. Uh, apparently they can't find Blair. They don't know where he's at. Um, and then Max said, okay, we need everybody to go to the rec room. All right. So now um, McGreese, uh, he sees somebody, maybe he thinks it was Blair, grabbing something from the helicopter. And he goes over there and he knows a lot of this helicopter and stuff all like a lot of like the the opponents were were brought were broken into all been taken yeah. out and then McAfee, and then McGree hears gunshots and it's basically Blair he's shooting freaking out around the whole place uh you know shooting around the 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 his his doctor room um he the, goes crazy the, the on everybody room, yeah. he, he grabs this is where gun. he's uh he's he's smashing everything up with the axe yeah smashing everything up yeah, with the I, axe I, yeah i love this scene and apparently he killed all the remaining dogs. All right. And he is basically saying, like, we, I don't know who I could trust in here, you know, and, and all this stuff. And we can't let it out free. Yeah. And he smashes up the radio, which hasn't worked in two weeks anyway, but just in case. Yes. And then McGree tells Childs, you know, go try to go talk to him. Blair's rambling on. And Blair's like, hey, you know, you, you don't want to hurt anybody. And it's like, nah. Because Charles is like, hey, man, <laughs> Blair, you don't want to hurt anybody. Blair's like, I want to fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, Mac, Mac, uh, McGree and all the others get the upper hand on them. And then mm. Clark, Clark is, uh, is upset about the dogs. So they bring Blair outside to like this, the tool shed. They're going to put him in the tool shed now. And yeah, well, originally they were going to put him in McCready's thing, remember? Yeah. Originally, they were going to put him in McCready's like little house, and he's like, I don't want him, I don't want him here with me. So then they decided to put him in a tool shed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so now they shut him up and everything in there. And then, uh, then they, they, Magri and I'll start talking to him about trust and how trust is a hard thing to come by these days of how they, they're mm-hmm. all starting to not trust each other. And Which then, is it, kind of a theme of this movie. Yes. And then he tells Clark to to watch. And then uh, Blair says to McAfee, "Hey, you know that Clark guy? Watch him close, very close." So a couple of the crew is like, "Okay, you know, maybe we can just, um, you know, sit this out into spring." 
And then Max says, like, no, there's no, there's no way we can, you know, we can't sit out here until spring and stuff. That we'll never survive. You know, mm-hmm. just sitting around here. It's at some point they decide they're going to test blood. Yes. So right now, like That's the about, child yeah. is saying, like you know, so we, we after we child is basically saying, like in front of the, some of the group, he's like, okay, I know I'm human, but how am I going to prove I'm human to all of you guys? You know, like how I how, if we don't know if we're this thing or not. So they're, they're kind of coming up with ideas of what they can do, um, of what they could do. And one of the things is, okay, well, maybe we can get some of the blood that we have in the refrigerator and mm-hmm. we can test that blood against the blood that we have right now. And we can tell if we're, if we're human or not. So they go but to the, then. <laughs> yes, they go to the, the blood fridge and the blood fridge has been all messed up. Uh, like of somebody, course it some, has. <laughs> yeah. Somebody went in there and they, they screwed up with all the blood and they basically they're they're blaming Gary because Gary and the doctor were the only two that had the keys on them. So they're blaming yeah, both God of them. God damn it, too. Gary! Like, damn, damn it, Gary! So during all this stuff, Windows is freaking out. So he just runs. He goes, grabs a shotgun and stuff, and Gary goes in there and stops it and stuff with the gun. And eventually, they they give him over the they get the shotgun away from Windows, and Gary's just like, okay, well, I'm seeing that you guys are not too comfortable being with me in charge. So I'll put the come down. Who do you want to be in charge? And at first, Charles like, well, maybe I'll. And then the clock goes, no, you got to do it, you fucking Charles. <laughs> <laughs> and then the McGree is like, okay, everybody, I will be the guy in charge now, and I will take over the to being in charge. So he takes. So McGree is now taking over the reins of these guys. He says like, I guess McGree's idea is like, okay, I I know I'm the human. I guess he says that. But I know there are some, uh, there's some ways that the creature can trick us and take in our form and stuff, but we're still going to do the blood idea and we'll find out who mm-hmm. is who. So, cause they're all, this is when they're outside. That's what he was saying to everybody outside. He's basically just like, we, we got the rest of the crew here. I know somebody in here is not who they say they are. So we are going to do this blood test. All right. But what I need right now is I'm going to need Gary I'm gonna need I'm gonna need the doc, and I'm gonna need uh, Norris, and I'm gonna need them to be my. I, I need you three to come out, and I'm gonna tie you guys up, <laughs> and I'm gonna drug you with more. Right. Yeah. And then and then it's like, and then of course Falchi was like, "Well, I need the doc. I need his help with all this stuff." And the doc's like, "You, c- yes, I need to help him. You can't tie me up." He's like, "Yes, I can." And they all tie him up. They put him down. And they all tie him up. Because apparently the doc, uh, Gary, and 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 uh, um, uh, George—I mean not George, but the uh, the uh, Norris—they're all like mm-hmm. the ones that were missing from a lot of the action stuff. So that's why we got them all there. Right. So, um. I think actually it was Clark. Sorry. Yeah. Cl- uh, yeah, it is Clark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So it wasn't it wasn't Norris. It was Clark because he was a dog hunter because he was out, out there. So we got all yeah. three of them oh. kind of like set up. Go ahead. Yeah. So this is what I was going to say. So this is where um, the parts or the the elements of and then there were none come in because I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's basically about um, these people who are who are dragged or invited to this out of the way place where they're isolated. Um, and I think there's ten of them. 
And then they end up, one of them is a killer, but they don't know which one is. And then they end up getting killed one by one until they figure out who the killer is. Um, so that's kind of what, so this, th- this part does seem a lot like the, and then they were none. Yes. Novel. So they got them all. They're basically putting some morphine in them just to calm them down. And right. uh, <laughs> at first, like the doctor's like, well, I could do it myself. We're going to break the needle. And Charles like, Norris got it. He's fine. So, mm. so you could tell no like problem. they're all like not budging at all. They're trying to play it as safe as they can. Yep. Um, then we have McGree. He's out there. He's now doing his famous videotape saying like, you know, I've taken over the camp. Um, it's hard for us to trust anybody of who is real or not. Um, we're all just basically can't really trust each other. And like, I don't know if anybody's going to find this tape. So I'm going to try to hide it. He's also saying in about like six hours and stuff, the, the storm will be really, really hard. Like it's going to be a very big storm coming here very soon. Mm-hmm. And then where's the part where they talk about freezing it? Is that later in the movie? Yeah. And then also, okay. he's also saying too, is like, you know, there's nothing I could do about the situation, but to wait and see what happens. So McGree asked Fauci, like, "Yeah, you find anything yet?" And of course, Fauci is he's kind of like, sh- kind of like shocked, you know, shook, shook up a little bit. So mm-hmm. he suggests, like, okay, everybody should probably just eat their own food, and we should prepare their own food, and they all should eat out of cans because this thing it can spread by organisms. It can spread that yep. way. So it's like, okay, cool. So nighttime arrives. Fauci now he's walking around. It's like there's like no lights and stuff at all, and he's walking and he sees something right in front of him, and he goes, follows it. First mistake. Yes. So For, well, they've made many mistakes, but yes, this is an, yet another one. So he's out there, uh, Vulture is, and he's out in the snow and everything, looking forever, right in front of him, and he sees that there's an R.J. McGree jacket. Uh oh. And then now, 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 Mac uh, McGree is asking the crew, like, "Hey, have you guys seen Vulture? His lights burned out on hours ago in his place. Where is he at?" And then he wants uh, Palmer's. Palmer and Windows to go together. Palmer's like, no, I'm not going with that guy. And then, and then Windows is like, what the fuck? And they start arguing stuff. And then he's like, cut the bullshit. You two are going out there. And you, and then uh, uh, um, Windows, and Windows and Knowledge guys are coming with me. We got to find this shit. And if we don't, we'll, what we'll do is we'll all meet up here in 20 minutes. All right. So they're mm. all going to go out there looking um, for, uh, for, for, where is it, for where is it at. And they all go outside in the winter, and they eventually see Fauci's body burnt up. Just like, and then they're kind of like thinking, like, okay, was he a demon? Did he burn himself, or did the or did the demon burn him? They couldn't really tell what actually happened to him. So this is really yeah, interesting. he might have killed himself. Yes. So like, did he? They're they're thinking, okay, he either maybe maybe he found out he was one of those demons and killed himself, or maybe he tried to protect himself from the demon, but the demon burnt him. So they couldn't really tell. So now they're going to go ask Blair to see if he heard anything. So they all go out there and ask Blair. Blair says, I, I didn't hear anything, and you guys need to let me out of here. I'm ready to leave right now. Uh, and he says it in the most calm voice ever. He's like, listen, guys. Uh, I know what I did was wrong. I'm fine now. I'm ready to go back inside. Okay? I don't hear. I didn't hear Fulci's out here. I hear something out here. I don't know what it is, but it's not Fulci. By the way, guys, I'm ready to go back inside now. So I'm good now. Don't worry about it. Everything's okay. Everything's good. And of course, they, they're like fucking like, fuck this guy. They, just, like, they shut the door on him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Mac also tells uh, Windows to go tell the others about what they found about Fauci's body. Yeah. Why is this guy called Windows? Do we know that? I, I mean, know. he's a radio operator. Ah, that's just his fucking name, Windows. 
Mm, all right. Anyway. Maybe I trademarked the famous Windows programming. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. I think this might have been a little bit before then, but so, I don't know. Uh, so but also, yeah, anyway. So, so also too, uh, McGree and Nalls, they're out there. And then Mac, Mac McGree is like, hey, we're going to go check my room. He's like, why? Why are we going to go check your room? Because the lights were on and I haven't been in there in two days. Mm. Uh-uh. So now Charles asks how long they've been gone for. So apparently, apparently he asked Norris and, and the doctor and stuff how long they've been gone for. McGree and Alice, they've been gone for 45 minutes. They're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. fuck this. We're going to shut up the doors now. Because, you know, it was uh, it was said in the early part of the films, if you're with this thing for longer than almost 45 to an hour, you could be infected. Yeah. So... So this is when they lock up the doors and eventually Niles, he shows up and he's like cold and freezing and stuff. He's like, hey man, I, 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 I think McGree might be one of them and stuff. I uh, cut him loose when we were out there. You know, we were out there like wandering around the whole camp and stuff for like 45 minutes and I cut him loose. Uh, I found his jacket uh, by the, by basically by the dead Fulci's, by, by I found his jacket over there. So I think he might be one of them. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're all like, okay, well, fuck, this guy's one of them now. You know, it's basically because he, they found his jacket all ripped up and stuff, and that was one of the clues that they found earlier was having those long johns all ripped up. Yeah, because that's the alien coming through. Yes. So apparently, the alien it can uh, it can like it absorb your body, but it it, it has it like reforms all your stuff. It can't it can't reform everything, but it can re- reform a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, and it has to grow all those tentacles and shit to yes. be able to do this. Yes, apparently. So eventually, like McGree tries to break into the door, he didn't does he doesn't do it. But then he goes to the medical room and he breaks into there. They all like try to like corner him off, but he has some dynamite on him. He says he's gonna blow everybody up if they don't get the fuck, if they don't put their shit down. <laughs> he tells them all to back off, and then he yeah. puts all they put all the flame flowers on the on the floor, and they're backing off. And then. Uh, and he's like, okay. And he says, like, oh, you assholes and stuff. Where's the rest of you? And then they start attacking Mac. And then, of course, McGree gets the upper hand about everybody because he still has a dynamite on him. He tells everybody yeah. to back off and everything. And during all this melee, um, Norris, he gets knocked down. And then they notice that Norris is not breathing. So they, so he's, they, he was like, okay, go get the doc and bring everybody into this room right here. So they brought everybody that's arrived left into this room. And the doctor's trying to revive Norris. And eventually, mm-hmm. and then freaking McGree is over here like with dynamite. like, you you guys are trying to do a lynch party aren't, or over here, aren't you? <laughs> uh, so, you know, this McGree guy, he don't play around. He's just like, I am I think he would be fine burning everybody in this place down. Human yeah, not. I, he, I think he would. Yeah, I think he honestly would have. If it had been up to him, yeah. he would have burned everyone except for himself. Yes. He's like, fuck it. You guys, I haven't drank in three hours, all right? <laughs> I'm ready to fucking burn everybody in this motherfucker. So eventually the doc, this this is a crazy scene. The doc gets his hand chopped off by this fucking demon. Dude, this belly. scene is so fucking cool. Like where they're yeah. trying to do the uh, CPR on him or whatever, and his yep. chest opens up into a mouth and bites his arms off. That shit's fucking badass. We got sl- demon slime upon slime here. <laughs> Norris's dead head crawls up and stuff, turns into a fucking spider. They start burning his ass. I mean, this is something to behold. Like of all the shit that happened, it's it's amazing. Like um, Rod Rob Botton did the special effects for this, but like, and they did spend ten percent of the budget on special effects for this movie. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Like the guy, like the mouth opens up in the guy's chest, bites the guy's arms off. 
and then his head pops up and then it grows the spider legs out of it and then that creaking like sound that it makes that while it's growing the legs that's yeah, yeah it's yeah you can't uh it's 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 not nothing that's for sure and eventually after they burn the body they notice that norris's head turning into some sort of like spider demon head and it was yep. trying to escape. They look around like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And then they burn his fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, the look on their face are like, I can't fucking believe this is happening. And then they all just burn the spider head. Yes. So that, this is definitely one of the most visual, cool scenes of the whole movie. Yes. So McGree now wants to tie everybody up. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, McGree's uh, taking his shit. Yes. So, of course, Charles, he's, he's arguing the whole time. Alright. And Child is just pissed off during this whole time. And uh So now so so uh, Clark at first is like, okay, you know, I think you're right because I think we have to listen to McGree because McGree he killed the demon. If McGree was a demon, why would he kill his own kind? That was Clark's yeah. reasoning. Of course, Child's is like, I don't give a fuck. How can we still tell and stuff that he's, you know, that he's a, a um, you know, a human or not? I got to let my, my life in this guy's hand. And during all this, Clark, Clark is about to get a knife on him. And he's about to go stab McGree. And then McGree shoots him right in the head. And we find out yeah. that Clark was human. But he was just, you know, not not uh, not liking the, the, the cue by McGree. He's still <laughs> not trusting McGree. No, now he's dead. Yes. McGreedy takes no shit. Like several times in my notes, I basically I just wrote McGreedy takes no shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much what the whole thing is. <laughs> so we have Palmer over here. He's complaining about uh, them being dead. Like saying, like you know, the doc and then the doc wasn't a, a demon and he died. And then now Clark wasn't a demon. He died. Didn't die too. So now we're finally going to do the blood test for everybody because mm-hmm. McGreedy's like, listen, I found out something. So we're going to do this blood test. We're going to put all of our blood into these jars. And apparently, so this demon is not like humans. It will, it will, it's, it feels threatened if it's going to be trying to get burned or not. So unlike human, which is just normal tissue. So I'm going to get everybody's blood. I'm going to, I'm going to burn the blood. And then we'll, we'll tell from burning the blood if you're a demon or not, because your, your blood will try to fight back. Well, yeah, doesn't he doesn't he say that um now this is the helicopter pilot. This is not a scientist. Just yes. Keep this in mind. But doesn't he say that he's figured out that every part of the alien is a life form? Yes. Yeah, like I think it's head, all different. Like, you know, when the head came alive, the head is a life form. Yes. The you know, the arms are a life form and the blood is a life form. So if you have the blood of the alien in in a tube then that blood is a, is an alien yeah. is a, is a thing. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to heat up wire with the with the flamethrower and then we're going to try to burn the blood. Yes. So they they uh, they get everybody's blood. Windows is the first. Um is going to burn the blood. He he burns Windows blood and himself. All right, so he burns yes. Windows blood. He's good. He, he's like, I'm going to do something they already know about. I burn it. And of course, Childs is making all this kind of shit. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever, fucker. Um, and they checked Doc and Clark's blood. They were good. So 
So Childs is like, yeah. oh, so that makes you a fucking murderer now. This is there's a lot of good suspense in this scene too, where they're like yes. burning the blood one one person at a time, waiting for something to happen. That's pretty awesome. Yes, and now now they're saying like, okay, Palmer, you're gonna be up next, but Gary, you're fucking, you're gonna be the last person because we know you're a fucking demon. <laughs> we know you're an alien. Yeah. So they check Palmer's blood, and then boom, his blood starts attacking. So we find out that Palmer now turns into one of those slimy creature demons, the things. And eventually he, he's like, because he's tied up too in the chair, but it's kind of tied up. So they're all like getting tied up next to him while he's turning into a demon. And McGree couldn't get his flame flower to work. He's like, oh, fuck, this thing's not working now. And then eventually um, uh, Palmer, he like attacks Windows. He basically just like bites his ass. And that's a really cool yeah. scene of him biting and throwing him around and everything. And um, eventually McGree gets the upper hand and he burns uh, Palmer. All right, it burns him outside. And, and then, yeah, then he has to come back and then kill Windows because Windows has been affected now, too. Yep. So they burned them both up. So then after all that, you know, Childs is up next. And and then they eventually, they chest his blood, he's good. And Childs is like, okay, so get me out of here. Cut me the fuck loose now. Cut me loose. <laughs> all right. So now after, now, now we got, we only have three survivors right now compared to Gary. We have uh, Niles. We have the uh, uh, Niles, which is the the cook, Childs, and McGree. They're all like pointing flamethrowers at Gary now. So they go test Gary's blood. All right, his blood is good. And then Gary, this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, "I know you men been through a lot, you know, but I'd rather not spend this fucking winter tied to this couch." Good find- <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> He's all calm at first. And he just starts yeah, freaking out. This fucking couch. Yeah. Tied to this fucking couch. So they untie him. Good for him. Uh, let's see. So now we have Charles. He's looking out the window and stuff. And now Max says, "Hey, <clears throat> he's like, hey, Charles, take you know, uh, keep everything. Watch." The rest of the three of us are going to go to Blair. We're going to do the test on him. All right. He's like, okay. So they go out and they go do the test on, 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 on to, uh, on to Blair's. But when they got there, the door was already open to Blair's spots. And they're just like, mm. they can't really figure it out because like this, there's like no exits around here. The, the door is the only way to get it. So eventually McGree sees like part of the floor is a little loose. So they go underneath the, um, the bunker and they notice that they, you know it's like a hole down there and they go down there to keep asking for blair but they don't see blair but now we see that there's a uh, a spaceship trying to be built down at the secret which, hole right which blair is building i guess yes yeah so blair has been one of the demons throughout the whole movie which is interesting like when do you think he turned into the demon is that before he got the records or after he put the records in there no, I think it's he got he got infected when he was examining the the first alien body by himself. Yeah, it's kind of like COVID if you think about it. It's like we don't, you know, I don't know. You turned up with COVID, and now we don't know how anybody got COVID, but now everybody has COVID. It's kind of like that. Yeah, so we just got to burn everybody with a flamethrower. Yeah, apparently, and drink lots of whiskey. We'll drink lots of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. So they start looking at the ship. And everything it's all made up from like the helicopter parts and everything. Mm-hmm. And 
So, you know, and then now they're like, okay, now they're pretty much convinced that Blair is one of these demons now, so they have to find him. And then they're like, where is he trying to fly off to? He's trying to go any place but here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty much everybody. So now, now he sees Childs um, outside the main gate. So Childs has left his spot and he's now wandering outside. Because, you know, even though they tested everybody's blood, they're still not trustworthy of everybody. Everybody's still not trustworthy of everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So the new idea now is Max McGree is like, okay, so we know that this creature can live in below freezing temperatures. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do to preserve humanity is basically we got to blow this place up and we got to put fire everywhere. Yeah. Burn and, it. Go ahead. No, I was saying they just have to burn it. Yes. They got to burn it. They got to, because it can survive. Because basically what, what he doesn't want to happen is, okay, they don't want to wait it out and get rescued, but they rescue the wrong person. They rescue this creature. Cause if they get this creature to, to humanity, it's going to take over like a spread of disease. So I'm agreeing. All well, of them. yeah. Plus the creature wants to hide. It wants to be frozen. Yes. Like it wants to hibernate. Like it was originally before the Norwegians woke it up. Yes. Um, so it can be found. So, later. Right. Right. So it can be found later. Exactly. And they blew up the ship and they're basically saying, like, we're not getting out of here alive, and the thing isn't getting out of here either. So right. they have all decided to be dead now. So now they start blowing up the place and torching the whole place. Um, we eventually, like, you know, we have Gary doing this. We have McGree doing this. We have Niles doing this. They, we can't find Charles. He is just gone. He's lost. So we have these three. They're just out there doing their thing. And they, they, didn't, they didn't really find Blair, but they know he's out there. So they're in, they're going to the generator room. McGree's like, okay, let's can we fix the generator? Gary's like, there is no generator. Okay. It was destroyed while we were gone. It was destroyed. Uh, so we, then he's like, okay, Mac, McGree's like, okay, we got to bring this whole place down and burn everything. So they start burning everything, the plants, everything. They start burning everything. Um. So now, um, now Gary is about to set up his, and then also too, one of the things they're doing down there too is they're setting up dynamite around everywhere mm-hmm. too. But then Gary gets attacked by Blair, and he puts his hand in his mouth. So we we turn Gary. But did you see that scene? It's fucking crazy where they put his hand yes. in his mouth and eventually drags him by his face. I was like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Ama- it's pretty amazing. The whole the whole all all the effects in this movie are great. They're fantastic. Yes. Um, so McGree is like, Hey, does, how's it all going out there? Everybody. And he's, he doesn't hear anything. So he's like, okay, fuck. And then he doesn't hear any answers and he gets himself ready. And then now the demon is in the floor about to attack him and it attacks him from like the underground floor. Mm-hmm. And eventually the, the demon, the slimy demon, uh, takes the, uh, TNT, uh, detonator site and it turns into some sort of like slimy T-Rex looking thing. That has like a mini T Rex within it. That's green slime demon. <laughs> yeah, then, and this then, one's not enough. And then Mike McGree is like, "Well, fuck you too," and he blows up the <laughs> fucking demon. <laughs> so he gets out there and he blows up the fucking demon, and everything just blows up in a huge blow it up matter. I'm not really sure what happened to um 
to uh, uh, the cook. I'm pretty sure he just got killed by the uh, Niles. An explosion. He, he got killed by the explosion <laughs> or he got killed by something. I didn't really see what happened to him, but he got he got killed too. Um, so now every, everything is exploding. Everything is pretty much gone. Um, McGree's outside with his liquor. Child shows up with a flamethrower. Mm. Asks like, are you the only one that made it? And Did you kill that thing? And then... Uh, He's all like, he's like, yeah, but like, you know, where were you? What happened to you? He's like, I thought I saw Blair out, out by the, the snow and I got lost in the snow for a while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they both aren't sure if they are, you know, they both are kind of like sitting there. They're like, they're kind of like, you know, we don't, we don't know if we're the, the creatures or nothing like that at all. Like they can't, mm-hmm. really, you know, they can't trust each other. They just don't know. Right. Right. They both think the other one is maybe the creature. Yes. But they are, but both of them are not in the position to do anything. So we're just going to sit here and uh, wait and see what happens. Yep. And drink whiskey. Yep. So child asks, like, you know, what should they, what should they do? It's like, well, we're just going to sit here for a little while and wait to see what happens. And yep. drink. And that ends, and that they, ends the movie. Yeah. And, and, and they a couple, may have frozen to death. It is. Yes. And there's a couple of interesting um, theories out there about, you know, who apparently, apparently it was confirmed by Carpenter himself that one of them, either Childs or McGree, was one of the creatures at the end. Oh, wow, really? Yes. I didn't know that. So that's why a big fan theory is like, could it be McGree or could it be Childs? And there's a couple back and forth. If you were to guess of who was the actual creature at the end, which one would you guess? I would probably have to would go guess, with the Childs. Yeah, I would guess Childs. But, you know, they have, yeah. a, they have a pretty good uh, compelling argument for two of them. We're not going to get too much into that in the retro blood. But um, yeah, it's very very interesting. You know, when you when you have endings that are open endings like this, it's very fun with the the theories and stuff like that. You know, and that's it makes you pay attention more to the movie when you watch it over again. I think. Mm. So, but everybody, that has been the thing. Couple of stuff to wrap it up. You know, the the thing that doesn't really have a a sequel to it. Um, there are a couple of source materials that do kind of count as the sequel apparently had some comic books about it and then there was a 2000 video game about the thing as mm-hmm. well and of course there was a the prequel movie that came out in 2011 too. yeah right which is a prequel but when you watch it you can tell that it might have they might have been thinking about it being a reboot because there's a character in it who's a helicopter pilot who looks exactly like mccready ah gotcha um, but it is good though. I mean, they did a lot of, they have a lot, I mean, I like it. Um, they have a lot of, um, details in it. Um, like the ax, you know, the ax they find in the door, like that's a part of the movie. And, um, they did, they did a good job sticking to the details. So it's decent. It's worth watching, I guess. Yeah. I never seen that one. So I'll probably check it out one of these days. Everybody, maybe we'll do it for a light side episode. We'll see. We'll see what's happening. It's, and it ends right where the other movie starts. So the other movie starts with that Norwegian helicopter shooting at the dog. Um, and that their movie ends right there. So nice. you could watch it and then go straight into this movie almost. Maybe we'll do that for a lights out. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe. We'll see what, what our schedule looks like. But everybody, that's been the first review for this month of September for our sci-fi horror month. And boy, what a what a what a what a what a doozy that we started off with, the thing. Mm. It's going to be hard to beat yep. this one. But this is uh, definitely a, a fun fun movie everybody check it out. Thanks for joining us here on the Retro Blood and of course we'll be back here next week 
as we continue our sci-fi month. And it just so happens that we're going to be continuing uh, John Carpenter uh, style movies too, because we are doing They Live. So that's kind of cool that we're doing two Carpenter movies right in a row. Yep, yep, back to back. This isn't our first and time doing a Carpenter movie. Of course, you know, if you look in the archives, we did Prince of Darkness mm-hmm. um, as well, too. So, you know, it, we'll, we'll be coming here here and there with some Carpenter films. I uh, definitely uh, always like watching them just because of how well they're they're written and produced. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, They Live will be kind of a similar theme. In a way, but a little different. And it's pretty cool, too, because it actually stars a pro wrestler, Rowdy Ronnie Piper. So we'll definitely be talking all yeah. about the Piper, the Pipe Man here on yeah. next week as well, too. But, um, oh, yeah, definitely. But what kind of music should we uh, set everybody out with? Let's do some Man of War. Yeah. What how, do you think? You want to do Death? How? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Do you have a one you want to do? I was going to say, how about Death Tone? Death Tone sounds great, brother. Because when yep. you enter the station with this deadly demon slimy dog, you're definitely going to have a lot of death tones talking around the fucking uh, station. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. We'll check you later here on the Retro Bud. Have a good one. See you, guys. Shades on, hair blows